Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. On a very special episode 62 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, our very own Henry Tomlinson sits down with Roshane Thomas of The Athletic to talk all things West Ham. They touch on Project Restart, answer some general questions about West Ham, and finish up the episode by answering some Hammers Polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. For a new type of podcast for the Green Street Hammers, I myself, Henry, will be taking the lead. And I'm joined by special guests from The Athletic, Roshane Thomas. How are you doing, Roshane? I'm all good, Henry. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Have you had any um, interesting things happen during the lockdown? Uh, you know what? During lockdown, I've been taking my um, my exercise more, much more seriously. So I've been cycling a lot. You know, and also for Callum and Brixton. So I, I cycled from, um, from Brixton to um, London Stadium like last week. Oh, nice. So you got to visit the football without the football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, yeah, I've been doing the cycling a lot, get a lot of fresh air. So that's what I've been spending my, uh, my lockdown. Oh, nice. So um, how long have you been a West Ham fan for? So growing up, it was West Ham and Arsenal. So really? I would say from about the age of about seven, eight. Because my, my dad's like a massive Arsenal fan. Really? So rivalry there yeah and my mum doesn't really watch football and then I have a brother who's like a West Ham fan a proper West Ham fan as well so growing up it was like between both so I'll probably say like when I was growing up it was more so Arsenal because I was going to games and whatnot and then in my teens that's when more so West Ham because obviously I was going to I, I, had, I had enough money to go to matches I was going to Park going to away games and also like through studying journalism I was attending UT matches as well yeah, so more so for my team, I thought I'd like developing a much closer connection to the club. Oh, nice. Um, do you remember what your first West Ham game was? Oh, that's a great question. It was, oh, it was a home game against, oh, what is the team again? I think it may have been against Blackburn when um, Sheringham became the oldest player. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So that would have been quite a good Blackburn team with like Gamps Pedersen and Benny McCarthy yeah. sort of time. Yeah, I think it was maybe around 06 time. Oh, nice. I think my first game was West Ham Ipswich. Won 3 1, and Paolo Di Canio scored in about 2001. <laughs> and so, what's been your like, all time favourite West Ham player since you started supporting them? I would say favourite one, well, obviously, I didn't get to like, watch him, but definitely got to be the Canio. Yeah. Like, it's got to be the Canio. I mean, like, just legend. I mean, his goal against. Um, the goal against Chelsea when he was pretty much leaving the club. That, that goal was so special. Where he just like teed it up for himself. Yeah, teed it up for himself. And then after the match, it was so emotional. He's like, uh, obviously, by that time, it was, it was pretty much confirmed on being relegated. Yeah. Uh, just so special with that. And then he got emotional. Uh, yeah, so I've always said the Canyon, because yeah, it's such a legend for the club. Yeah, definitely. I think you, a lot of people will agree with that. Um, so now more on to like the Premier League side before we go straight into full West Ham. Yeah. Um, the Premier League are trying to implement their project restart, yeah. uh, which a lot of people have a lot of different views on upon. Um, what do you think about it, Roshane? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a weird one really because obviously the Bundesliga is going to turn this weekend. And for me, like, there's been no mention whatsoever of like neutral grounds or anything whatsoever with Bundesliga, they just like go on with it. So in terms of Premier League, it's a bit, it's a bit complex with what's going on. Like whether it's neutral grounds and then the whole portal, like the the bottom six teams kicking a fuss because if it's like neutral grounds, they don't want relegation to be a factor. So so where do really like for me? I've always said like if it does resume behind closed doors, a club like West Ham currently involved in relegation zone, we're gonna like miss out on that because we need our fans, we need that. We need that support. I mean, there's been so many games this season where you look at it and feel like the fans weren't there and the result perhaps could have been different. I think of like that Stanford Bridge game when Dave Martin made his debut, how the fans were on side for like the whole match, the the game against Liverpool, the three to defeat Anfield. So that's the one factor I'm, I'm a bit like, oh, we'll miss out on if it does resume behind closed doors because we won't have that, that support from fans. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the reduced number of fans we had at Anfield for some odd reason I wonder don't know why we would <laughs> spend less tickets than we'd be allowed uh, and, and another, another thing they're saying like if it, if it, the reason why we want it to be at neutral grounds if it's like a home stadiums like fans could congregate outside I mean if you remember just before lockdown that, that game in Champions League I think it was, I think it was um, Dortmund against PSG yeah and they had 20,000 fans outside yeah. the ground all bunched up together trying to yeah. support yeah exactly so they're trying a lot about lot not not trying to prevent that happening which is another reason why they don't want to be a lot home stadiums but yeah so i think it'll, just, it'll be a great shame if it does resume behind closed doors because we'll miss that home support and we don't know how long it'll be behind closed doors it could be months before we see fans return yeah i think that could be one of the reasons why they're thinking about it has to be behind closed doors because otherwise no one knows exactly when this will end yeah. So there's probably the thought of if we don't go behind closed doors, there might not be football for a year or two or even longer. Yeah. I mean, so much so, I think they're so desperate to get it back. The Premier League are telling players potentially or rumoured to of to turn their heads away in tackles or to play. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? Can you imagine turning your head away from a tackle. I mean, 
obviously, I imagine you played football when you were younger as well. Never in my life have I played football and you have to turn your head away when you do a tackle. I mean, I'm not, I have no idea how that was like. Yeah, uh, I can see the logistics behind obviously wearing a face mask and whatnot, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy some of the stuff that's been reported. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm yeah. sure some of the lighter weight players who turn away from tackles anyway. <laughs> I'm already doing that, but I'm sure it would be very difficult to tell that to Mark Noble. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I'll just say, I feel like the Premier League's sort of going to see how it works out with the Bundesliga first. And yeah. then just bits of that to just try and get it underway with the Premier League. Obviously, we all heard from the Prime Minister on Monday, so I'd imagine at some point, oh, well, from June 1st onwards, I'm sure at some point we'll see the return of the Premier League. Yeah, let's hope so. Do you think if it does come back, whether it's at neutral grounds or not, West Ham have got enough to stay up? Yeah, I thought that team has definitely not enough enough um, enough talent to stay up. I mean, look at the field now. What Suchek, Rice, Noble was a third option, Alain Antonio up front, Spodgrass and Bowen potentially option on the flanks. I feel like the team definitely has more than enough talent to um, to. Because remember back then it was that team that was dubbed, you know, the team that was too good to go down. I think it was the oh yeah the old three or four season, if I'm not mistaken. Lampard and Ferdinand and Cole yeah. and Carrick. In my opinion, this this squad is much more talented than that squad. I mean, not just back club, they were very good as well, but definitely much better squad this time around. And yeah, it's too way too good to go down this this couple of players. I feel every time West Ham get relegated, we're too good to go down. <laughs> Even last time we had Parker, Noble, Hitzelsberger in the midfield, which is a very good central midfield. Yeah. Carlton Cole up top, defensive James Tompkins. Uh, James Collins as well, Manuel da Costa, Rob Green. Like, it was a good squad. Yeah. I never understood how we always get relegated with a team that's too good to go down. Seems to be the way. No, the team, this team now is too good. I mean, I, I like what Moyes is trying to do as well. So I feel like we'll, we'll have enough to um, go down. And also, very quickly, we forgot to mention um, if, if it doesn't resume and it's decided by like a points per game formula or a home and away weighted formula. It actually has West Ham in the bottom three. Yeah, I saw that by point three of a point or yeah. something. So that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> that is the I, worst case scenario. I can't... I know it's been talked about a lot and I can't imagine them implementing it because the the reaction that they would get from the teams that are relegated would be ridiculous. I mean, if you go back to the Great Escape season... We won four of our last five away games. Like that was what really secured our position in the league. Like by the time we beat Man U, we didn't. We almost didn't need to because of the result at Sheffield United and Wigan. Yeah. Like if they like anything's possible in football. So if you decide that, it's it sort of takes away from the other football matches. If you know what I mean. But uh, that's a great point. I'm pretty sure I'm right to say today's anniversary of that Tevez goal. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. That really is a great point. It's so true. I mean, a team could, a team could go on a run. I mean, remember about, I think it was maybe Leicester who won a crazy one and they stayed up. Yeah, and then the next season they won the league. Yeah, yeah, I know. So that could be us. <laughs> yeah, if we stay up, we're winning the league. Yeah, that could be us for next season. <laughs> uh, more importantly, before... The lockdown happened and football went away. There was a growing momentum behind uh, Gold Sullivan Brady out protests. Yeah. Do you think when matches come back? Oh, is that me? 
<laughs> Everyone, I'd like to apologise. This is a video of Antonio. I'm about to turn it on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Baby, one second. Yeah. That's right, right. <laughs> Bravo, bravo, Sammy, yeah. Is it yeah, it's gone. See, everyone, that's, that was a video of Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Antonio Notorino. Notorino, yeah, video of Antonio on, uh, on Instagram. I'll do some research. I forgot to, uh, <laughs> got to close the video. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people remember him fondly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as I was saying... Before the football went away, there was a lot of momentum behind the protests against yeah. Gold, Sullivan and Brady. Yeah. How do you think this is going to affect the momentum coming back? Because surely it's going to, it will reduce it quite, yeah. especially if people can't go to games and let their thoughts be known. Yeah, yeah, I actually think it will reduce it by a large amount of money because, as you mentioned, there was such great momentum. Well, I say great momentum, but it was a lot of momentum for like Hamish United and, and all the other support group because I think I'm not saying it was the, the, for the protest before the last home game against Southampton and Henry Ross, so it was like thousands of fans, thousands yeah. of fans. And like the next one was going to be against um, the home game against Burnley. And I just feel like when it does return, because of the whole coronavirus pandemic and having to try and stay in the league, I don't think people, obviously people will still have the resentment towards the board. But I don't feel like people sort of have that same sort of passion behind getting, like, being like protesting really. So yeah, they might just be happy to have football back and sort of deal with their thoughts towards the ownership in a different way. Cause they just want the football back, whether or not it's being run well or not. Yeah, that's the thought they'll be having. But maybe it will start to come back. But obviously, during the protests, there were rumours of takeovers. Yeah. From- many different places what are your thoughts on some of the rumors i know a lot has been said about red bull whether or not it would happen yeah. last time but yeah. no what are your thoughts you know and honestly if i don't i don't see uh you know selling anytime soon you know i don't see them selling anytime soon i mean I, I saw those reports but i feel like when it comes to like uh sullivan and gold like west ham it's, it's their club. I mean, I know they get a bad rap, but I mean, honestly, when I speak to like former players, whatever, like, let's say they're so involved, if anything, they care about the club too much. Hence why they make so many questionable decisions. So, I honestly don't feel like they'll sell anytime soon. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I don't feel they'll sell anytime soon. Who are I speaking to? I was speaking to um, a former player. Uh, I can't remember his name. And he said, like, Gold regularly comes to the training ground like a helicopter to like check on like the members of staff and players. You got Sullivan, who like is a big like he loves going matches and watching players. You got Karen Brady, who like controls the day to day running of the club. So in all honesty, Henry, I really don't see them selling anytime soon. I know other like other people been linked to like buying West Ham, but I don't see them selling anytime soon. Really. Yeah, I know that there's a lot been said about Jack Sullivan potentially being the heir, yeah, taking over when they see that move to happen. Really, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure about Jack Sullivan just for the time being. He seems to be doing good stuff with the ladies team, the West Ham women. Yeah, he's doing really good stuff there. I mean, last season, I think I'm right the same. I reached like, the, the Women's FA Cup final, which is a great achievement. But yeah. I feel like he could do with a bit more experience. I mean, it was only a few years ago he was tweeting like, the line-up and tweeting, like, this sign is rubbish, that sign is terrible. 
Yeah, I remember him wearing his Marseille shirt with Bacharari on the back. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, the great Roman Henry. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you forget it. I know this is slightly off topic, but I feel like the most important thing the audience should do is like get a director of football in. I feel like that should be the most, the next thing they should focus on once, once everything calms down. Yeah, so absolutely. If they get that spot on, then I'm sure fans will be on side because... Barring like signing players and whatnot, if they get about right, then you know West Ham really could make a like, great progress. Yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, uh, I believe it was Mark Noble yesterday. I saw some quotes from him yeah, posted yeah. saying after he retires, he wants to stay at West Ham in whatever position he could, and I think he named uh, being between the board and the team mm. as a role for him, and he wants to help sort of choose players to sign. So. Yeah. Make, could be Mark Noble in a couple of years. Because you know what? Mark has seen them all come and go. He's <laughs> yeah. seen them all come and go. So, I feel um, like definitely know how to identify someone with a good mentality for West Ham. Of course, of course. And obviously, there's been so many questionable signings. And I, I, I recently wrote a piece on recruitment. And I was just like, for, for my, my thing is, my biggest umbrage is the lack of money spent on defence. Yeah, I think we 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 definitely uh, share that here at Green Street Hammers. <laughs> no, honestly, like it, it really annoys me because I mean, there's been so many free signings, and I mean, some have been good, some have been some have been rubbish. For being honest, and like I think I'm right saying, in the ten years we've been there, we spent seventy-one million, and twenty-two million was spent on Issa Diop. So yeah. a large amount of that was spent on one player. Yeah, and I think the next most expensive would have been Maseraku or Fabianski. Yeah, exactly. Ten, around seven million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. So yeah, so they need to change that because it's one of the main reasons why West Ham keep uh, always like involved in relegation zone or trying to like trying to like survive sort of thing. So if we get that sort, if we sort that out and invest more money, then instead of relying on free transfers all the time, like for example. Brian Ngakio came for the academy. Frederick's and Abelotta, they're, they're free transfers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you got to sort out. It seems to sort of be a way of putting money on players that will sell shirts. Yeah. Like Haller and Anderson, like the, the big name players that obviously everyone in their head, would, are, they're paying to go see them play and score goals and excite yeah. the fans and everything. And your child's going to buy a shirt with Haller on it over a shirt with Fredericks because the kid wants to see the guy who tries an overhead kick once a game rather than the guy who's chasing another forward back to the goal. Well, you know what? Based on those players you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if that kid decides to get his own name on the back of his other shirt, to be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised yeah. because, I mean, Allah's been... I, I like him, he's good, but I don't feel like he's been great in his first year. He could prove me wrong. I yeah. Mean, I mean, you think of the debate of like, because my thing is, we have a tendency to sign flair players. So, Yarmolenko, the Andersons, the four now, so I really like. But I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't, like, Anderson scored one goal this season, you know. Yeah. <laughs> one goal all season. So, yeah, that been, he's dropped off. Time. Yeah, big oh. time. But a lot of players have dropped off, and that's that's the main thing. Like, a lot of money's been spent on attacking players, and most of them have, like, regressed. So, that's another worry. Yeah, I mean, a lot of money's been spent on these attacking players and at some point you realise you can't fit them all in the team. Yeah. Affects, like, the way someone can get into a routine because they're not in every week. Like, 
with four nows, it took him a while to settle, I think, because he wasn't given a run of game straight away the same way Anson was. Like, Anson, when we got him, he was our left winger. Mm. And Armelenko was our right winger. And Antonio was sort of put to, like, a squad rotation role yeah. because he didn't have the technicality Pellegrini wanted. Yeah. You've got Antonio, Yarmolenko, Bowen, Anderson, Fornals who can play on the wing. Um, I feel I'm forgetting someone. Snodgrass is a winger. All of a sudden, there's a lot of chopping, like chip, chopping and chipping away, and people lose their routine and it can affect their form that way. Yeah, it seems like we're a bit top heavy. You know, like Johnny Bravo has all yeah. the muscles, but like skinny legs. <laughs> yeah. That's what, uh, the attackers from the defence. Yeah. <laughs> I think it affects us quite badly. And like, especially like, in terms of like moving forward when it comes to recruitment, but having defence, we need to like also address like defence in the field because it's obvious that Carlos Sanchez will leave on a free transfer uh, this summer because, I mean, why, why would the club want to renew his contract when he has been been hard been used to to be honest. I mean yeah. it sounds harsh but he has been. So yeah. he hasn't really ever shone, I think would be the word I'll cho- choose but, that. But um Josh Collin returns from loan from Charlton in the summer. So I'd like to see him get a chance. Yeah definitely he's still he's only twenty four, isn't he? Yeah still young. So he fits into the category of David Moyes wanting to sign players under twenty five from a league below. Yeah. And but he's already at the club as a bonus. Yeah exactly so uh, He's yeah, talked a lot at Charlton. He's talked yeah. quite highly there. Because uh, I interviewed him, uh, I think, around October time. And when I went there, they said, like, um, Lee Boy was so happy to get him back alone. Like, he thought it wasn't possible, so he was excited. He was jumping up and down when he got him back alone. So that, that tells you, like, uh, how good of a player he is. So, uh, yeah, I really hope he gets a chance. Yeah, definitely. I think we all do. It's sort of been a long time coming, I think, for Josh. Yeah, but not just like loads of academy players. I mean, Grady will be back next season as well. So that's another option on the flanks. Yeah. Attacking players. So yeah, so like the, the talent is there. We just need the chance. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so moving on to transfers, which yeah. I think we've done quite naturally. <laughs> um, do you, what, what do you think is like the most important area David Moyes needs to address? I feel we've covered this with defensive midfielder. Uh, no, for me, it's left back. Left back. Yeah, need need to get a left back in. I mean, I like I like Cresswell. I mean, his goal against Chelsea was a great goal. I mean, his free kick against Man United was beautiful. But I mean, I do I feel like he's he's not past his best, but she's showing signs that he's not the Cresswell of old. He's not the Cresswell that was like playing for England, if you know what I mean. And he's yeah. understudy off of Masuaku. I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm not I'm not Masuaku's biggest fan. If I'm being honest. I think there's a lot of people that aren't his big. <laughs> Things, I feel there is a player in Arthur Maseraku and it's slightly further up the pitch. And I think he could be a very reliable winger, but we never seem to try it and keep him out as either like a wing back or as a left back, which you know is start well, to happen. I come out and say, the Moyes' first team game back in that cut match against Jinlan, uh, another game, I think it may have been against. Um, uh, who was it against? I think it was a home match against Bournemouth, if I'm not mistaken. They won 4 0. He tried win backs with Zabaleta and Masuaku. And even yeah. and even in those matches, they weren't really convincing. And yeah. as you mentioned, like, he's, great, he's great going forward. Like, he's really good going forward. I remember back that, that game against, um, I think it was against Norwich, 
when it was his best game in the West Ham shirt, in my opinion. He was just amazing. I think he provided an assist for Ale as well, which is really good. But I mean, how many times have you walked away from the ground saying, ah, oh, Masuaku was really good today? You know what I mean? I, I, I remember that game against Aston Villa, the goal is drawn, he got sent off. Yeah. I was thinking, ah, oh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, that I walked away from quite a good run of form as well, and it, that seemed to sort of curtail that. Exactly. I remember walking away from that ground thinking, like, oh, he's so frustrated sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah if, we, if we can get a, like, a good young left back in, then. Yeah. You know, I think I just remember the game against Chelsea, Moyes' first first game in his first spell, or his sec- the second game in his first spell where Maseraku took on every Chelsea player about three times. <laughs> that was unbelievable, and he was everywhere. Yeah. I can remember that too fondly. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Yeah, definitely remember that as well. So, as you mentioned, like Ray, Ray is a good player, Ray, like deep down somewhere, but unfortunately, it's not for West Ham. I mean, that's cops should cut their losses with him at some point in the summer. Yeah, yeah, definitely left back, which is dress, definitely. Yeah. So, what sort of who are like the players that you feel like you've identified that the club should definitely be taking a look at with the idea of bringing them to West Ham? So, my thing is right, whoever. Brentford are interested in signing West Ham to sign. Whether <laughs> Brentford are out for West Ham should get them. I mean, obviously, I know we're talking about signings, but my thing is West Ham should get director football Brentford and bring him in because he'll be great for us, I reckon. He'll be great in terms of recruiting the right caliber players. There's a young lad in the academy called Emmanuel Longo. I think he's really good. Yeah. He plays on the left back. He's really good and he's one to look out for. So, Definitely. in terms of a name, I haven't got a name off the top of my head, but just a left-back is really good. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, if you look at, like, Norwich, for example, I know they're, they're likely to go down, but, I mean, they have two great uh, full-backs for the, for the future. So, if we could have something a bit similar, then yeah. that would be great for us. And also, Stuart Webber, he's also really good as well for Norwich. He's a director of football, so, yeah. So, so yeah, if we can have, if we can have like a similar, you know, promising uh, fullback, so that would be great for us. Gekke is 19, and he's one for the future. So if we can have something similar in left-back role, that would be great. Yeah, like, I think it's Jamal Lewis and Max Ahrens, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one, that's the one. Yeah, they're two very good players that we would definitely need, like, would definitely benefit us. And um, here at Green Street Hammers, uh, we rate Thomas Suchek very highly. Um, and... Like, do you think it's necessary that his loan is permanent? Like, what are your thoughts on the midfielder? Right, uh, we spoke about protests earlier. If, if West Ham don't sign Suchek, I'll start my own protest, Henry. That, <laughs> that, that, uh, <laughs> that's, how, that's how much I like, like him. I mean, he's... Uh, I, I was there when, I, when his first uh, his debut against Brighton, and I thought, this guy is good. Yeah, he was yeah. unbelievable, that game. It was when he went off that we decided to concede <laughs> two goals. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, with uh, it's a Dior player, uh, Bonner. Uh, yeah, after Masaraku pinged it in field from about 20 yards out. Oh my goodness, I know. That, that annoyed me too. That annoyed me too. But yeah, I like him a lot. I think Suchek's a great player. He reminds me a lot of Fellaini in terms of his height, um, you know, stature being being great in the air. So I feel like, and, and even in, in, in the short, short space of time he's been at West Ham, right, he's shown me he's the real deal. Yeah. A few months ago, I was asked to pick my my best starting next eye, and I actually picked Suchek ahead of Noble in a four four two. Now that's how much he's impressed me so far. Like in that, I think away game I had Etihad against Man City. I think I think I'm right in saying Suchek ran over eight miles in that match. 
It was, I think, it was the furthest any West Ham player had run in a single game all season, and it was like his second match. You know what I mean? Just crazy. And like, when I was doing like research on him for a piece, I was writing like his mom was a long distance runner, so it runs in the family. And I mean, yeah, I like him a lot. I think, he, I think he'll be if we can make it permanent, he'll be great for us. Yeah. And in his press conference, he's always talking about one sign players who have resale value. I feel like Fijak is a player who definitely has resale value. Yeah, I think he's definitely added to his value since he signed for us. I mean, he seems to be that player we've been screaming out for to play next to Declan Rice. Yeah, yeah, so true. Because obviously, I know a few times this season Declan Rice has made like promising runs forward. I think my mind goes back to that game where we were cruelly robbed at Sheffield United, where we, we should have, um, you know, we should have come away from that game with a result, but we didn't. And, Declan Rice made a forward run and the referee said it was handball nonsense, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's been a few times a season he looks promising going forward, but we all know he's better as a defensive player. So that will allow, I guess, Suchek to make more forward runs. And he showed in game this season that he can do it. Like, he can get out of there and get on the end of crosses and be a nuisance in the box. So, definitely someone we've missed for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that's a part of Declan Rice's game. People don't see as much as I think I do is when he does make these bursts forward because he's such a like he is a lot stronger than he looks yeah. and he can muscle his way through I feel people don't pick up on it as much but maybe everyone talks about future he should be our centre back yeah. no, no. I think there is a box to box midfielder in there as well and you, you know could be a utility player all the way through the middle and, you know, I know, I know we're talking about Suchet, but like my, like, my biggest frustration is fans of other teams like Man United, Chelsea, Man City, who don't watch, but they only watch Declan when he plays for England. And they're like, oh, he's rubbish, he's all about hype. I'm like, you don't even watch him on a weekly basis. This guy is the real deal. Yeah. Like, besides Declan Rice's parents, I'm probably his third biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, right how much I love Rice. I, th- I think he's amazing. I mean, 21. Some of the stuff he's done already. If you look at his stats, his stats are so impressive. Yeah, I think it's because at West Ham he's given much more of an important job. Like he has to be everywhere. But in England, I think he sort of just told, "No, you are just a set, and you just give the ball off to Jordan Henderson or whoever is playing in the middle with him, whether it's Harry Winks." Yeah. And so he's sort of a bit more conservative. Whereas in West Ham, he shows his full talent. Yeah, exactly. And you know what also impressed me? His uh, leadership. He's really yeah. like, he's really going in that role. I mean, we all know Mark Noble's the main man and the leader, but at, at times it'll be like to see other players step up. I've seen Obama step up. It's a deal at, at times, but definitely Rice. I mean, if, if you're looking at Rice, like, on the pitch, he's talking to players, telling he'll give player a hammer in and like, he won't throw anywhere about it. Like, after games, he'll, like, front up like, to the camera and voice his concerns and opinions and whatnot. Remember that game against Sheffield United? He's like, oh, VAR, no one wants it. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was nice to see someone else, barring Noble, like, talk about something and, and be so articulate about it. So, 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 yeah, so, yeah, he's definitely going into a leader, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a future West Ham captain if we're lucky enough to keep hold of him. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> we will, otherwise, there'll be another protest started by Richard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. As part of The Athletic, you've got your own podcast, You Irons, yeah. uh, which you've interviewed many West Ham players from, uh, from Marlon Herod to Alvin Martin to Nicky Maynard, a player who I really rated and was very upset when he left after we got promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's been your favourite or has stood out to you the most? In terms of 
uh, guest of the podcast. Yeah. I'll probably say Alvin Martin because um, like, my favourite game of the season has to be the Stanford Bridge uh, 1-0 win because like, just, just like we're, we're rubbish heading into that match and I mean everyone wrote us off and said we're not going to win and then to like play so well and obviously it being uh, David Martin's debut and like I'll never forget it like every time he made a save West Ham fans would celebrate as if we scored a goal yeah they were going crazy like and that's when the whole chart came about we got a chance Martin's in goal like it was so amazing so and obviously I took a picture which went like viral on Twitter after like um, Alvin hugging Dave so to get him on the podcast and to get him like relive those memories of that match and hear him get a bit emotional and like how the problem for the family yeah that's definitely my favourite guest uh, yeah uh, yeah, I think I was I was going to meet Alvin Martin because I bought my dad a Christmas present of a London Stadium tour for this year, and it was with Alvin Martin was going to be leading it, but it was during the time of the Storm Dennis, and it got cancelled, and then we moved to have Steve Potts, who was an adequate replacement. Steve Potts do some great stuff with the academy, so yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, very knowledgeable, very very highly thought of him. He was very chatty to everyone. He seemed very like genuine person. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say, but in terms of like interviews as a whole, barring the podcast, it's definitely got to be Callum Davenport. I mean, oh, I love that interview so much. It's probably my favourite interview ever, really. So yeah. that's- there's a lot to talk about with Callum Davenport. The one thing that always sticks in my head is the the attack he had. Yeah, yeah the attack, and I mean. Like, to be honest, like, the background behind that, like, it took me quite a while to track him down. Like, even when I did track him down, he was like, he's not sure if he wants to do the interview, but I think about it. And it's actually his wife. His wife convinced him to do the interview. Really? So, yeah, his wife convinced him to do the interview. She's like, he told me, because obviously I met him in Plymouth. So when I met him, he was like, oh, you know, my wife done a bit of research on you. And she's like, oh, you're a good guy. I should, and he should do it. So, yeah, so I got, <laughs> I got to praise his wife for, for convincing him. But I mean, when, when I did eventually, when we did eventually have a chat, oh, I was, I was just like blown away by a story. Been through a lot. So, yeah, that's definitely, definitely my favourite interview ever. Yeah. So now I think we'll move on to something we like to do here a lot with Green Street Hammers is go through some Hammer Polls questions cool. uh, where you can we can answer and debate and I'll tell you the most popular answer after we've done that to see if we are with the majority or against the majority um so one the first question here is from the some of the highest paid players at the club which one would you move on a yarmolenko b jack wilshire c felipe anson or d someone else and please specify who Roshane. this is a great question i, I, I can only pick one player right <laughs> yeah you can only pick one <laughs> Uh, oh, this is tough. Oh, all right. Ah, oh, you know, it's got to be Yarmolenko. Really? Yeah, it's got to be Yarmolenko. I mean, he's just too injury prone. He's injury prone, but I think he's like 30 now. I don't think we'll ever see the best of him in a West Ham shirt. So I think, I think we should, like, obviously with regret, as Alice Sugar was saying on, on, uh, on The Apprentice, with regret, I feel like we should cut our losses and, yeah, and sell Yarmolenko. So you're going to move on Yarmolenko because of his injury problems, but keep yeah. Jack Wilshire? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep Jack Wilshire because I'm like, <laughs> he's younger. I think he's like 27, 26. Yeah, still um, got a couple of years before. Yeah, and we need to have an, another option in midfield. You have a lot of like, attacking players and wingers, so I feel like we saw Yarmolenko, 
we were covered already. So we can we can, we can cover Yarmolenko with Grady. Grady can come in and replace him. So so yeah. So I feel like we should yeah. I'll I'll pick Yarmolenko for that for that question. My choice would have been Jack Wilshere solely because he's been so injury prone and he's earning so much money and like Yarmolenko, he's shown flashes and I think a lot. I think he's the flashes are easily forgotten by some West Ham fans like. His brace against Everton last season, yeah. um, his goal against Man U, like when he turns up, he has an unbelievable effort. Yeah. And he's sort of that one trick pony of cutting in and putting it in the far corner. But when it works, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> like it against Bournemouth yeah. as well this season. Yeah. Whereas Wilshire, I, I don't think we've seen when he has played a lot from him. Like I think his best game came in the. the Carling Cup against Newport, where he got a goal. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like I just don't think we've seen enough of him to keep him. Yeah. Anderson, Anderson, I think is probably our best player talent-wise. So there's no way he can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a good point. I mean, but with Yarmolenko, whenever he gets his on, he gets injured. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whenever he's like, oh yeah, so we're gonna see the best of Yarmolenko now. But I guess on the flip side of things, you could say whenever Walsha gets injured, well, Walsha has been injured quite a lot, so we don't really see the best. It's a, it's a good point you made. It's a good yeah. point you made. So run, run one to Henry. <laughs> see what the majority is. And the majority of people would like to see Jack Wilshire moved on. Okay, interesting. Okay, uh, number two. Who would you rather play in central midfield? Mark Noble or Robert Snodgrass? I feel he's transferred into a central midfielder the last couple of years. Um, this, this is definitely an easy one. I'll probably, I'll definitely say Mark Noble, because I remember at the start, Pellegrini was playing Snodgrass as a central midfielder, and he, and he was doing quite well. He scored the odd goal here and there, but you're not going to get the best out of Snodgrass in midfield. You can play him on the wings, so on the flanks rather. So definitely Noble, 100% Noble. I mean, I know he hasn't got the legs of like a 25 year old, but he can still do a job. So yeah, definitely Mark Noble for me. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with you, Mark Noble. He's naturally. That is his natural position, where Snodgrass isn't naturally yeah. centre. But I do feel Snodgrass is a perfectly capable central midfielder. Like the engine he's got on him is just yeah. ridiculous. The amount of times that you see him chasing down. Yeah. Like I think you know that famous clip of Andy Robertson against Barcelona, where oh. he runs <laughs> seventy yards. Like, you see Snodgrass do that quite regularly. Yeah, but because he's thirty and not playing for Liverpool, it's not really spoken about as much because yeah. he usually done it, does it in the second half, which is usually right underneath where I sit because we always attack the same way. So you see him just go and go and go. <laughs> usually nothing actually positive happens from it other than him just yeah. knock himself out. Yeah. But I do respect it. Yeah, his work rate is amazing. I mean, if we had like, if everyone in the team had Snuggle's work rate, we'd be a lot higher at the table, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, like moving forward with him being versatile, he could he could still play there. So that's another that's another option for him moving forward. And we are with the majority. Most people like to see Mark Noble play in central midfield, which seems quite obvious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next one: Which Championship striker would you like West Ham to sign? A. Eberichi Eze from QPR. B. Ollie Watkins from Brentford. Or see Carlin Grant from Huddersfield. I feel Eberichi Yeze is more of an attacking midfielder, but we'll go for that. This is a great question. This is a really good question. 
And I can only pick one. <laughs> I can only pick one. You know what? I'm going to go with... Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I thought you were about to say you are going to go with all of them. <laughs> no, I'll probably say Ollie Watkins. Because I remember years ago when it was like... I think it was Exeter. Or one of his teams like in the playoff final. And I was watching it was really good. So he was really good back then. So he's even better now. And... Just in terms of like an option up front, if we play four four two, I know we've been playing Antonio there, but he's not actually a striker. And if you have yeah. to play with someone there who can score goals and do well, then that'd be great. My only hunch is we don't really have a good track record of signing players or strikers rather from the championship. Look at like Hugo, for example. So that's one player I'll go with. But I mean, we don't really have a great track record when it comes to signing players, <laughs> strikers for the championship. I don't think we have a good track record of signing strikers. Full yeah. stop. Oh, yeah, full stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> striker I think I've really sort of known us to sign that's been good was Dean Ashton and Craig Bellamy but in injuries and Bellamy once he had become good went to Man City very quickly I know uh, Teddy Sheridan when he was like 45 <laughs> yeah but he was still a great player <laughs> he was amazing for us he really was I think I'd also go with Ollie Watkins I've, wrote, I've written uh, quite a bit about him in a couple of pieces and his stats just astonish me and he's still so young. I know he wants to go to Arsenal and that's his dream. But I feel West Ham could be a good sort of stepping stone to that. I mean, you'll be happy with that as an original Arsenal fan. Yeah, it'd be great, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't get to the team. He wouldn't Not get to uh, the team. I mean, yeah, so it would be good for him to use West Ham as a stepping stone if, if the move were to materialise and then go from there. I mean, 22 goals in the championship and none has been penalties. That's really impressive. It's really impressive. The majority say Eberucci Eze of QPR. Okay, I see. I would like us to sign Eze, but I have a feeling he, like if we don't, he'll go to somewhere like Crystal Palace and then score against us. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like that exact kind of player. <laughs> or he could be like, you know, like when we're in for like, players like Medicine and then he went to like Leicester and then now it's pretty much evident we'll never get to sign Madison again because his next move is probably like uh, a Tottenham or Liverpool. So something like that can happen to Eze where he goes to join a team and his, high, his ceiling is so high you will never get a chance to sign him again. So, yeah. But the thing is I've been to quite a few QPR games this season obviously just keeping track of how Hugo's getting on. So I've seen Eze quite a lot and he's a good player. He's really good. Yeah, I like him. Seems that he's definitely got a lot of potential. I do feel like this is a like transfer um, philosophy we should have of buying these young players, growing them and selling them higher and being a stepping stone club for a couple of years, yeah. which is what I thought was, would happen when we got Pellegrini and we signed players like Anderson. Yeah. Like, the way he was going, you, we would have been very much surprised to keep hold of him if he yeah. carried on. I remember at some point he was being linked to Real Madrid during like his hot form streak for us where he scored like eight goals in nine games. Yeah. And obviously if he carried on, we wouldn't have been able to keep hold of him, but then we'd have had more money to reinvest in the squad. Yeah. So I do feel like that's the philosophy we could take on board. Yeah. I mean, Moyes has spoken about it so much. His press conference is like, want to sign young players who like, are passionate, who want to play for the shirt, who have resale value. Because like, I've always said this, like, uh, how many players have signed for West Ham, like, 20, 28 onwards, who don't, not, not that they don't care about the club, but they're only after one last payday, really. Yeah. Uh, only here for a couple of months, and then when you think about it, that place could have been, like, used by a younger player who's really passionate, who wants to prove a point. So, 
I, I definitely agree with you, Henry. Like, we should sign younger players who have resale value, could be a step like be a step for other teams, and yeah, we could use that as a sort of business model. Yeah, I mean, if you take Arnautovic and Dimitri Payet in terms of their sales from the club, which I think amounts to about fifty million, you can't. There's not many players you can think of that we have sold for over ten million pounds, bar yeah. James Tompkins. Yeah, and look how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that was after the last season at the Bowden. Like we don't sell players well. Yeah, I like, think Jordan Hugel's probably built some of his value back up this season, yeah, where we yeah. would be able to potentially sell him for what we paid for him because he, I think he has done quite a good job at QPR. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, everyone we seem to sign, we're never getting the money back from them. It's so true, and I mean when the uh, accounts were released, I think around January time. I think it showed like for last season only twelve million, not twelve million, only thirteen million was recouped from player sales. And like when you think about a Premier League team, like they should be like recouping a lot more in terms of when it comes to selling players. So, but and also when we do sign players, they're like they they're so old, so we can't really get much money from them because clubs are like we're not giving you like twenty million or fifteen million because that player's past his best. So that's also another reason why we haven't been able to like recoup a lot of money. Yeah. And so the next question I saw, I thought was quite an interesting one. Um, who do you think is the best Portuguese player for West Ham? A. Adam Wilson Fernandes. B. Ricardo Vazte. C. João Mario. D. Jose Font. It's got to be Vazte. Yeah, it's got to be Vazte for me. I'd be like, his goal in the playoff final is, 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 is where for him to win alone. But yeah, I mean, definitely Vaste. He was good for us as well. Good, a good player for us. Energetic, uh, chipped him with some good goals. The others were good as well, but I don't feel like they had the same impact as Vaste. So yeah, definitely Vaste for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, for West Ham and what they did, Ricardo Vaste achieved so much. I mean, I feel as though I've watched West Ham for almost two decades now, religiously. He, his time after we signed him before we got voted was like the one time I've been able to enjoy having a prolific striker. Yeah. Like he just seemed to score. He was our second top goal scorer at the end of that season, despite signing in January. And he was three goals behind Colton Cole. Yeah. Talent-wise, I'd probably say João Mario would be the best Portuguese player. But in terms of what was achieved at West Ham, it would have to be Vazte. And I know we spoke about him briefly earlier, but when Nicky Maynard joined, he joined on the same day as Vaz Tay and Val yeah. Morrison. Yeah. Um, that was a good deadline day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back now, it was. And perhaps another reason why Maynard never really got a chance because Vaz Tay was so good. Like, yeah. As prolific in front of Well, I say prolific, but he contributed a lot of goals to us. So, yeah, definitely Vaz Tay, 100%. Yeah. Um, so. The majority agree with us and say Ricardo Vazte, which I think was to be expected. Yeah. Um, so the next question, with the likes of Dean Garner, Ngakia, Johnson, Holland, and uh, Nathan Holland, uh, potentially Silver and Cullen ready to step up into the first team, do you think David Moyes needs to spend big in the next transfer window? A for yes, a B for no. I'd probably say B for no. Because first of all, we obviously with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, I don't feel like there'll be much. I feel like clubs will be a bit cautious with money for a few windows. So this will this will now give young players a great chance, like stick a claim in the first team. 
And like I've been quite, I've been to quite a few on twenty three matches this season, and I feel like there's so many talented players who just need a chance. Like Nathan Holland, before he went on loan to Oxford United, he was amazing, Henry. I'm telling you, this guy is just ah, oh, it was brilliant down that wing, down that wing, scoring goals. Obviously, I know it was like Premier League two division, but if you saw his goal against Newcastle in the FA Cup, I think it was like it shows you like he's a talented player. So, yeah, no, I saw that. It was very good. I think I was there when he made his debut. At London Stadium, I can't remember who it was against. Uh, Arsenal. Yeah, it was the it was the yeah. Arsenal game, which Baduaku kindly decided to intervene. In. <laughs> um, but he really impressed in the like the short spell he had. Obviously, you could tell he was lightweight because of his age. Um, but his actual touch on the ball and like where his mind was going, yeah, you could yeah. see he was making the right decisions, which yeah. is a very important skill for players to have. Which I feel, which is sometimes a lot of West Ham players lack, is just decision making. Yeah, exactly. Seems to have that well. And one thing Richards doesn't get mentioned enough is like Moyes is actually good when it comes to developing young players. He's really good. I mean, you think about like John Stones, like obviously they weren't exactly young, but like Jagielka, Leighton Baines, like him like playing young players and like I think like the Europa League or the UEFA Cup was known back then when Everton was like in the tournament. Like he's known for like giving young players a chance. Yeah, I mean he stuck with Declan Rice when he came in. Exactly, even, even though he gave him a hammer in one of those matches. But like, like, it's been better after for him. Red Conduct, wasn't it? Say that again, sorry? Wasn't it after the Arsenal game at the Emirates where Declan seems to duck out of the way? Yeah, that's the one. That's, that the, one. that's the one. So, yeah, so, like, the, my, biggest, my biggest frustration with Pellegrini was, like, he wasn't giving young players a chance. And when he did eventually give young players a chance, it's because his job was on line. So he wasn't doing it, like, because he cared. He was doing it, like, rather reluctantly. So with Moyes, I mean, look at Moyes giving Ngaki a chance, for example. He could have easily played Zabaleta. So, yeah. yeah, so there's so many talented young players. In my opinion, I feel like Nathan Holland is, is the top out of all of them. But, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, Ngaki, Grady, I mean, Van der Silva, Josh Collin. And there's also like, other young players below that tier who are also coming through. So Yeah, I think I wrote a piece on um, Sam Kiger, the uh, young left-back, who looks quite promising as well and has done quite well. And he's just got promoted to the under-23s and has sort of kept his place quite well. Okay, yeah, see, there you have it. That's a, that's a player who I, I wasn't familiar with beforehand, so you mentioned the player I need to look out for. When I spoke to uh, Jack Carson a few months, well, I think it was last month, I think it was, he told me there's a young player called uh, Daniel Chesters, who's really good, and he's similar to Jack Grealish. So we mentioned, what, five or so players under-23s, but there's so many good players that are under-18s as well. Yeah. So it's definitely bright for West Ham, definitely bright. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's the last question I've got for you today, Roche. No problem. So the only one we disagreed on was uh, the first question <laughs> with uh, Will Shaw and Yarmolenko. <laughs> yeah, that was the only one we disagreed on and the only one that we went away from the majority. Yeah. No, nah, no worries. No worries. All right. So thank you very much for coming on to the Green Street Hammers podcast, Roche. Well, thanks for having me on, Henry. I really enjoyed it. And would you like to promote your podcast while you have the opportunity? Yep, uh, myself and Sam Bellini have a podcast which comes out every week uh, called Your Irons. Uh, I'm not quite sure who we'll have on next week, but yeah, tune in. also have a number of articles on the Athletic website, which I'm sure you'll all enjoy. So yeah, give it a read and yeah, hopefully we'll see the first team return to action in the not-too-distant future. All right, cheers and thank you for everyone for listening.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.